0: Are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Monday show for you. We're going to talk about what happened this weekend in the NFL. We're also going to talk about the Dodgers. We're going to talk about my two Mavericks games I went to last week and something that I recognized in both of them. Also, the Detroit Pistons are setting a record for futility that might be going on even longer than it already has. So we'll get to all that momentarily. All right, there's no other way around this. An awful, awful weekend. Remember I told you on Friday, this is a dog weekend for me. Like, I'm feeling it. This is going to be a lot of underdogs. There's too many short lines. Usually that means a lot of dogs will just win outright. Well, if you look at it overall, how many underdogs even covered yesterday? One, two, three. Three underdogs cover. Of course, none of my picks were those three underdogs. We are looking at 0, 05 and 1 with still two picks remaining. We got the Raiders today plus the ten against Kansas City. And I've got Baltimore plus five and a half. I mean, the best we can do is a two and five week. Oh, excuse me, a three and five week if Philly covers the ten point tees and Baltimore covers fifteen and a half on the tees. So I mean, look. Jacksonville was an awful pick, but that pretty much goes along with my best bets for the year. In college, I was really good on my best bets. I was, what, 7-4-1 and this year on my college best bets? 7-5-1 and on my college best bets? Decent, although we were 7-1-1 and at one point and I lost my last four. My best bets and pros have been awful, 4-10-1. But I've always done well on the picks outside of my best bet pick. Yesterday, terrible, 0-3-1. Houston, loser at home. Arizona, loser, plus four at Chicago. Indy, plus three, lost at Atlanta. And Tennessee, plus the three, if you bought the half point, you pushed. So just a bad, bad day. And then one of my three-team 10-point teasers I already lost because two of the three couldn't cover. Jacksonville, plus 13, yeah, not even close. Jacksonville just laid an egg, 30-12 to to the Buccaneers. Houston, plus 12.5, didn't cover. They lost by 14. So here's where I'm at, you know. Um, in regards to, I can already tell you next year I'm giving out way less picks a week. It's just giving you five picks a week minimum is too much. So next year I'm going to try and uh, condense it. But it's getting really interesting for my over unders for the season. I'm already one in one. Two of them have bra- basic, have already graded because they've already won. I had the Panthers under seven and a half. They're obviously two and 13 this year and the saints over nine and a half when they lost on Thursday night, that lost their bet. So um, I have two still pending. So I've got the Steelers over eight and a half and they are eight and seven right now. They have to go, they have to win one of their last two games, but they're at Seattle and at Baltimore. Now, the one thing I can hope for is that maybe the Baltimore game, Baltimore's already clinched the number one seed. So, The last game of the year won't matter to them, and they won't play anybody. Um, But I need Steelers to win one of their last two games to hit that over. The other one is interesting, and this is one that I wouldn't have thought four weeks ago I would be sweating out, but I'm certainly going to be sweating this one out, and that's Jacksonville over nine and a half wins. They were 8-3 and at one point, and now they're 8-7. and But their two games remaining are home next week to Carolina. You would think they could beat the Panthers at home and they're on the road week 18 at Tennessee who's six games under 500. So while T- Jacksonville's playing terrible, they have two very very winnable games left. Not to mention as bad as Jacksonville's been. They were 8 and 3. They've lost four in a row. They're now 8 and 7. They still lead the AFC South. That's because yesterday Houston lost and Indianapolis lost. So they were all eight and six heading into this weekend. Now they're all eight and seven. So Jacksonville has just as much a chance to win the AFC South as they did coming into this week. So they absolutely need to go two and O to end the season and they have two easy games left. So I might actually still win that. Now, if Taylor uh, Trevor Lawrence is hurt, all bets are off. If CJ Beathard is their quarterback, they could get beat by Carolina. If CJ Beathard is their quarterback, but I, it's gonna be interesting. I I can't even sit here and say like, oh no, I definitely see that as a win or that as a loss. You know, look, Steelers could easily go zero and two, and Jacksonville could easily go one and one, and I lose both bets. Steelers could easily win one of these last two, and Jacksonville could easily go two and zero, and I win both, or they split. I just, it's crazy. But when you look at both of these, remember the Steelers were seven and four at one point, and then they lost three in a row. Jacksonville was 8-3 and three at one point, and they've lost four in a row. These are two that I thought I had in the bag. The Saints one was the one that I was hoping I had an outside shot and they got hot at the end of the year, but that definitely didn't happen. Saints could technically still win the NFC South. That's my uh, division winner bet. The only division winner bet I put in was Saints winning the NFC South. It could happen, but they have to win at Tampa next week and then home, I believe, in the last week of the season to Carolina. I think. I know they play at Tampa Bay this week. They're one game behind Tampa Bay in the in the NFC South, and they play at Tampa this week. If they lose, they're two games back with one to play, and their playoffs hopes are done. So as bad as New Orleans has been this year, they still have a chance to win their division. I believe if they go 2-0, and they win the NFC South. I, I don't know if because they will have beaten I think Atlanta is their last game now that I think about it. I think they're at New Orleans or at Tampa Bay and then home against Atlanta. If they finish the season 2 and 0 winning two division games, I know they'll have the same record. They'll be at worst the same record as Tampa. I just don't know who wins the tiebreaker there and they'll definitely have a better record than Atlanta. So, I don't know. Maybe stuff other stuff has to happen, but um you know, we'll we'll see. But man, <laughs> it's just Steelers in Jacksonville giving me a hard. I, and I can't believe Jacksonville was eight and three, and I needed them over nine and a half wins, and they had six games left, and all they had to do was go two and four, and they've lost four in a row. But like I said, you got Carolina at home this weekend, this upcoming weekend, and then you end the season at Tennessee. Two winnable games. Not to mention you can still make the playoffs if you go two and zero. Oh. So <sighs> Jaguars are killing me. Um, some baseball to talk about, not, not going to be a long show today because one, we're, we're wallowing in our Oh five and one (laughs) yesterday. Um, but saw an interesting statistic in regards to the Dodgers. We, as we know, the Dodgers spent $1 billion on two players, Shohei Otani and Yamamoto last week, they signed Yamamoto to a 12 year $325 million contract. So 1.025 billion on two players. That equals the combined salaries of the Oakland A's over the last 14 years. (laughs) No, not the combined salary of the whole A's team for 2024. No, that's the combined salaries of everybody that has played for the Oakland A's in the last 14 years equals they've paid out $1 billion in salary. And the Dodgers just spent that in one offseason on two players it kind of goes to show the point I was making last week where baseball is just your haves and your have nots. Like I understand this idea of free enterprise and people have said, why is there salary caps? And while there isn't a salary cap there, while there is a salary cap in baseball, you're allowed to go over it. So it's, You just get penalized for it, whereas I don't know why, you know, I I mean, I understand why some baseball owners own their teams but don't want to spend any money because they still make money off the TV contracts and they make money off of these teams that spend over the spending limit and over the salary cap and they get penalized. That money goes to the small market teams. So it's like, yeah, what incentive do some owners have to put out a winning product? They don't. They just want to turn a profit. And someone like, you know, the Royals or the Pirates or the Tigers, like, for the most part, you know your season is over pretty much before it begins, you know? And your teams that spend the most money are always going to be there. Now, once the Dodgers signed these two players last week, the statistics started getting thrown around that the only two teams have won the World Series in the last 15 years that went into the season with with the largest payroll. It was like the '09 9 Yankees and the 2018, uh, whoever won it in 2018, I forgot. So, oh, I I can't even remember who it was. But basically what they're saying is, look, it doesn't buy you anything. I've been saying that forever. Just because the Dodgers have the most ridiculous payroll and they spent a billion dollars on two players doesn't mean they're going to win the World Series. And the facts that bore that out every single year because baseball is too wonky, It's too many short series, It's too long of a season, too many injuries. It's just, it doesn't guarantee you anything. But it is pretty amazing. 15 years. Go back 15 years. The highest payroll in the league has only won the World Series twice. So the Dodgers have that working against them. Not to mention everybody wants to see them lose. Um, Okay, I went to a Mavericks game on Wednesday against the, last Wednesday against the Clippers, and then um, Saturday night against the Spurs and Clippers beat them, but that was expected because the Mavericks have too many injuries right now. And then it was no doubt they were going to beat the Spurs because, one, the Spurs are terrible, and, two, Victor Wembanyama stepped on a ball boy's foot during warmups and tweaked his ankle a little bit, so they erred on the side of caution. He didn't play, and the Mavs beat them by, I don't even know what the t- I think they ended up winning by 25. I left at the end of the third quarter, they were up by 30. But here's something that I noticed and I've been to enough Mavericks games that I could have given you this take numerous times, but it still fascinates me and it's kind of it's kind of similar to my take about foul balls in baseball games. I've shared that with you before. How people just go absolutely nuts when a ball is hit off a bat, foul ball into the stands and people are diving over other people, they're taking it away from kids. I'm like, it's a baseball. Like I don't even know how you verify. I mean, maybe there is something on the ball that shows it was from a major league game, but you catching a foul ball, even if you put it up in your mantle and never touch it and it's in great condition, it's not like you're going to become a millionaire over a foul ball. Quit acting like a child diving over people for foul balls. I think it's so ridiculous. Well, the equivalent at an NBA game, and I don't know how many of you have been to an NBA game recently, but pretty much at all timeouts... A lot of the timeouts, there's some sort of dance team or hoop troop team or whatever that's chucking t shirts into the stands or firing t shirt cannons into the stands so they can reach the third deck because you can't throw that far. You'd throw your arm out. And it is unbelievable, once again, how people act about a t shirt being thrown into the stands. Like a t shirt. And a lot of you know my past in terms of what I used to do and who I used to work for with Jim Roman. Jim, back in the day, always had a saying. And at the time he said it, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I mean, I I wasn't old enough to experience it yet. Now I am, and it, it, it couldn't be more dead on. Jim used to say all the time, if it's free, there's a line. And if it's not nailed down to a table, it's gone. And the free part absolutely pertains to attending a Mavericks game and the reactions of some people when a T-shirt is fired into the stands and how they react either when they catch it or when it's bouncing around and what they're trying to do to get it. I mean, my gosh, (laughs) Look, and it's not like this T-shirt is like the greatest T-shirt. It's just a Mavericks T-shirt. Yes, they're probably $30 in the store, probably even more. Maybe they're 35 or 40 in the in the fan store, and you're getting it for free. Great. But you're acting like you just want a pair of Louboutins, <laughs> you know? It's a T-shirt. Let's calm down, people. Let's not try and trample somebody else because you want a 100% cotton T-shirt that's probably going to shrink two sizes the first time you put it in the washer. <laughs> it's, it's, you should see this. You should uh, – if you ever go to a game, you know what I'm talking about because I'm sure other arenas do it. I've been going to Mavericks games for 15 years, and it's the same. every It's just – People are jumping up and down, screaming at the Hoop Troop team to throw it their way. And then once they do, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It's really, really weird. One last note in the NBA. The Detroit Pistons have lost 26 games in a row. I didn't even know that was possible in this day and age, but they have. They've lost 26 games in a row. They play tonight against Brooklyn. They played Brooklyn two nights ago, and they lost. They play them again tonight. But if they don't beat the Brooklyn Nets tonight, I think there's a good possibility the Detroit Pistons might lose another seven or eight in a row. Because if you look at their schedule coming up, they play, like I said, they play, um, they play, uh, sorry, not tonight. Uh, Brooklyn, they play tomorrow night. They just lost to them 126-115. Now they've got them at home. Brooklyn's a decent team. But then, Their schedule for the next one, two, three, four, eight games? After Brooklyn, at Boston, home Toronto, at Houston, at Utah, at Golden State, at Denver, home Sacramento. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, plus the Brooklyn game tonight. They could be at a 34-game losing streak very, very easily. Then the big one, home Wednesday night, January 10th against San Antonio, who's the other worst team in the NBA. So that would be the one that could end the streak. But my god, if they don't win that one, uh, they're looking at easily another six losses in a row minimum. I mean, they could be looking at 40 games in a row they lose if they don't if they don't pull their head out of their ass and win one of these games, but my gosh. They're terrible. They're 2 and 27. They started out 2 and 1 and they've lost 26 in a row. Now, in the NBA history, the record is 28. I have a feeling they're going to break that record. That was a, but that was also over the course of two seasons. That was the Philadelphia 76ers end of 2014, beginning of 2015. They had lost 28 in a row. This is the most in-season consecutive losses anybody's ever had in NBA history. Baseball, the record is 26. But that also happened in 1889. That's how bad the Pistons are. That's how horrible this streak is. Like, I feel bad for them on one hand. But on another hand, I kind of want to see a team lose 40 in a row in the NBA. Because it would be so unbelievable to think it's possible. But it might. (laughs) Because if they don't win Tuesday night at home against Brooklyn, I really do think they're losing eight in a row. So that brings them up to 34. And then that January 10th game against the Spurs at home is going to be the decider of if they lose 40 in a row. By the way, that's also the second night of a back-to-back for them. So it's not like just because they have San Antonio. But something tells me if they get to that game, they're going to win that game because they know that's going to be the biggest game of their season. But, hey, go in the record books with a 34-game losing streak, congratulations. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it on this Christmas Day. Probably a lot of you don't not going to get around to listening to this, which is fine, because we really don't need to recap me going 5 and one yesterday. But thank you all who have listened this first year of the Sports Daily. Like I said, I've got some, I've got some uh, irons in the fire in regards to this podcast. So I'll probably tell you about that after the new year. Keep you updated on that. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you. Oh, before I do that, what do I have to tell you? Remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See ya!